What's up, everybody? I hope you're doing great. Just having an incredible day, incredible weekend. Welcome to those of you that are watching online. Even though you're watching the screen, you are part of us. You're part of who we are. Uh, man, in, in this day and age, uh, technology is something that we can use and take advantage of. And during these last several months, it's been very helpful uh, for us as a church to, to be able to reach the people that, that are in our community, for, for us as a church to stay connected with each other. And so with that, I just want to encourage you, uh, if you're watching, if you're here, stay connected, right? During these times, it's easy to get disconnected. It's easy to find ourselves just slowly drifting away from being part of the body of Christ. And so I want to encourage you, stay connected, stay dialed in. You know, call your church friends, uh, set up Zooms with them. You know, we've got diff op different opportunities for, do for doing Zoom groups and uh, service in the community. And so we want you to do the social distancing. And, and as you feel comfortable coming and integrating back into meeting, meeting here in the auditorium and meeting live in person, and we get that and we totally understand, but that's got to be part of the deal. That's got to be part of the formula because online is great. I get it. Like, I totally understand. But God has called us to be in relationship. In relationship, connected with each other. That's so important. So I just want to encourage you with that. As, as time passes, as you get more comfortable, you know, as, as numbers continue to fall you know, with virus, man, just stay connected to the body of Christ. We need each other. God designed us to be in relationship. And so our vision statement here at Grace Church is that we would impact the community. And you heard that we're doing that already. You know, it's so important for us to impact the community. Uh, we want to do that. And then the next step in our vision statement is that we would connect, that we would connect with each other in relationship. And, and man, I, I don't know about you, but there, like I've, I've been feeling alone. And I know there's a super popular show called Alone. And I'm like, that, I would make it about three and a half minutes because that's terrible. That's like torture for me to be alone and to feel alone. And so we are, we are designed to be connected with each other. But ultimately for us as the body of Christ, as believers, as followers uh, of Jesus, we are to lead a Christ-centered life. Uh, gosh, I, I hope that you in your life, that even though things are crazy and, and, and you're feeling desperate or uncertain, this is the time when we dial in. This is the time when we focus on the Lord and who he is, that we're reading scripture, praying, talking to our kids if you have them about what's going on and, and communicating. We are to be disciples, being discipled from Jesus and discipling others. That's, that's the formula. That's how it works. And so I just want to encourage you with that to be connected and stay connected uh, in, in life and in church. And so uh, today is, is a, a message that, I'm, that I titled Upside Down Money. Uh, I'm going to be focusing a whole message on money because, man, when you look at the last several months, uh, just everything regarding finances have been upside down, hasn't it? Uh, when you look at all the COVID things, the economy, uh, man, it's just been a struggle. So many businesses have flipped upside down. There's so much uncertainty. What's going to happen? Uh, many people were getting stimulus checks, and I mean, that, that, that happened, has happened previously, but not very often in our country. The stock market, like, crash, and then it's rebounding, and the, people don't know if it's going to stay up or go down, and here's the deal. Money is upside down, but our God is absolutely in control. And so I need to remind you of that. We need to be reminded that God is in control, that even though there's uncertainty. But when I say upside down money, how does that make you feel? Right? If you think about your finances right now and I say, hey, I'm going I'm to talk about money, what is the feeling that you got? Because oftentimes we think about how much we have. 
or sometimes we think about how much we don't have, depending on what's going on. But sometimes, you know, we think, oh, well, this is church. He's going to talk about giving. And, or, or, or we think about how much we need, right? If, if you look at your life and you go, man, I wish we, we need this right now. We're, we're struggling. And so in Scripture, it talks very clearly about the difference between needs versus wants. There are needs that we have, and we understand that. But there's also, <laughs> if we're honest, a whole lot of wants that we put in the need category. I need a new purse. I don't, but I know somebody who often does. You know, I need this piece of hunting equipment. No, I really don't. It just makes me feel like more like a man when I have it. Uh, and so I just need to remind us that God meets our needs. He, uh, he promises that in Scripture, but what truly are our needs? Because oftentimes we, when we think about our finances, we're going, how can I increase my income to buy the things that I want? How can I decrease expenses? Uh, right? That's normal. That's normal. If you're in a business, that, that we get that. We do that every single day. What, you know, payroll and, and up and down and, and cash flow. Man, right? That's life. Why? Because money is part of our life. Money always brings about some type of response in our lives. And so do I want to talk about life and just absolutely, do I want to talk about scripture and money? Yes, because all of it is intertwined. I mean, do you give any spiritual thought to your finances? Like, have you ever looked at money and your resources, your portfolio, your income as supernatural, as God providing? When you look at the resources that you have, do you think maybe I should give Maybe I should give more. Maybe I should give less. I mean, do you think about that? And so that's why that we have to talk about it because it's a big deal because so often we're not focused on those things. And God's word says a lot about it. And we know that we need money. You know, if you look at your bills, if you look at your budget, maybe you have a mortgage or rent. You know, you have groceries and insurance. If you have kids, you're paying for kids. Right? We get it. We have insurance. We have cars that we've got to pay for. And, and did you notice that I, I, I use that word plural? Because many of us, we have cars, more than one. And so we have to be careful about our lifestyle and what's going on. Because sometimes if we're not careful with money and how we look at it, how we perceive it, greed will set in. It, greed will come in our life, and, and, and we think we need more, want more. we got to trade up. We have to upgrade. And so we've got to be very wary about selfishness in our life because it will creep in. And so I just want to encourage you with that because the opposite of greed is generosity. And so what does generosity look like? I mean, to me, part of it is where we think about other people's needs before our own, putting others in front of ourselves even regarding our finances. And to me, ultimately, it is putting God first. So what does God say? What does God communicate in Scripture? So the first point that I want to share with you in Upside Down Money is just the fact, number one, money is complicated. There you go. Number one, money is complicated. Because in Haggai chapter 1, verse 6, it says, You have planted much, but harvest little. You eat but are not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you are putting them in pockets filled with holes. Like that just kind of like, oh, just, that, that verse just weighs heavy on us because that, that means we're, we have a lot of work in our life. We're trying really hard, but we have little to show for it. 
You're putting money in your pocket, and it's falling out the holes of your pocket. And man, it just it, do you ever think about the, the amount of money that you will have over the course of your lifetime? I mean, so we're talking hundreds of thousands, a million, if not multi-million dollars that we will have in our hands, that we will have like pass through our pockets. Let me give you just a simple example. If you're a single person and you make $30,000 a year and you work from 25 years old to 65, so 40 years, over those 40 years, you will make $1.2 million. If you're single and you make $30,000 and don't ever get a raise over those 40 years. Now, what's the likelihood of that? Probably not very high. Now, let's say you have dual income and you make double that and you get raises over the next 40 years. I mean, we're talking about over $2.4 million that you as a household that you will earn and you, that will go in your pockets. So what's happening when it goes in your pockets? Are there holes in your pockets where it's just passing through? Are you following me? Are you, are you tracking with me a little bit? Because so often we don't think about it in that type of perspective. I need us to rethink because money is upside down. It's upside down right now. So we've got to rethink our ways. So can I just, can I just kind of say it how it is? Is that okay? Can I just preach a little bit about money without offending somebody, without getting a little bit upset? Because the example that I just gave is very real. And the average household income in our area is close to $60,000. So you're talking about multimillionaires that are watching online and sitting here in the auditorium. Do you look at yourself that way? Do you see that? And so I just, I want to preach a little bit because with all humility, I, I'm, I'm good at this. Like, I, I'm good with money. Like, I just am. I, I make wise decisions. I'm smart with finances. And, and you know... <laughs> Sometimes I err on the side of frugality. Uh, in the past, I used to be cheap, um, and that's, that's bad. Like, you don't want to be cheap. Uh, being frugal, there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's even one of the, the nine categories that a Boy Scout should have. Like, so, I, like, I just, I, at times, I, it, I used to be cheap, but, and then, just to be totally transparent, there are times when fear rises up uh, inside of me. Regarding what we have, regarding what we don't have, regarding the future, regarding our finances. Like fear will rise up from time to time. But here's the deal. I, I've come to this place where I recognize that fear is one of the, the aspects that the enemy uses, one of his tactics that he uses against me that will push me towards being cheap. Like there's nothing wrong with saving and being careful in how you spend, being a good manager. Nothing wrong with that. But being cheap, like then I'm getting stingy. Then I'm getting greedy and I'm only thinking about me. My generosity begins to dissipate and be pushed aside. And so I have to recognize that that's a tactic that the devil brings in. And so I just, I like it. I like to talk about money. I like to strategize and plan. One of the things I'm, I'm so proud of, I, this is an area that I've taught my sons. I, I talk to my sons about finances. I put money in their hands. We talk about saving. We talk about spending. We talk about investing, investing in stocks, investing in real estate. Like, are you kidding me? We talk about that at the dinner table and what that looks like. It's so important. If you don't, just have fun with it. Enjoy it. So often we're, we're so concerned. Oh, you know, we can't tell people how much we make. Okay, I get that. that you know, there, there's an aspect of disclosure, but are you talking with those that are near and close to you about what you've learned regarding finances? I mean, I'm so proud of my sons. They opened their own clothing line. Are you kidding me? 
Like, that's crazy, amazing. I was so proud of them when they did that. And so I just, forgive me, I'm a little excited. I'm a little excited to teach you, to talk to you, because I want you to be good at money as well. I don't feel like it should be upside down. I feel like we should have this right concept and understanding. I don't know when you started working. I started working when I was 15, you know, bagging groceries. And I, I think I made, was it $5 an hour or something? Or maybe four thirty-five. I can't remember, but it was, so, it was a long time ago. And I know many of you, if you're a little bit older than me, you're like, I made a quarter and I, and I get it. I totally get it. But one of the other things that I, I totally got and understand is, is the principle of tithing. And I'm so thankful to my parents. They taught that to me. They taught me the principle of tithing and what it, what it is. So money is a big deal, isn't it? It absolutely is a big deal. It influences so many of our decisions, but it's complicated. It influences us greatly. In fact, money is one of the top three reasons for divorce. Like when you talk about influencing us, good decisions, bad decisions, relationships, I mean, money is connected to just about everything that we do and see and feel and touch. All of our emotions, our thoughts, our attitudes. There's a quote I want to share with you. Uh, Billy Graham shared this. He said, if a person gets their attitude towards money straight, it will help straighten out almost every area of their life. I totally agree with that, and I totally uh, feel like that's true. And so I want to encourage you to have an open mind and an open heart. Because money is complicated, but I feel like God communicates to us. So there's several principles that we need to grasp and understand. The, the second one I want to share with you is that money is spiritual. And this is Hebrews chapter 13, starting in verse 5. It says, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence... The Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? And so we have to be content. Content with what we have. We can't allow fear to consume us, right? And when you look at scripture, not only this in Hebrews, but when you look at Jesus' life, because that's, for us as a church, we're constantly looking at Christ, constantly looking at the gospels, the red letters in scripture. Jesus taught about money two times more than he taught about heaven and hell. I mean, we're talking about eternity in heaven and hell. Two times more about money. Why? Because it's spiritual. Money is spiritual. It's so important in our lives. And so I just, I, ha I feel like I have to share with you as the lead pastor of the church that, that I am so proud of our lead team. They are extremely fiscally responsible with tithes and offerings that are given by you guys, which is amazing. Your generosity, your obedience, giving back to God. There are incredible people that are managing that and looking at that and, and critiquing and making great decisions and budgeting so well. The lead team does a great job. I mean, amazing. And I mean, just over the, the last couple of years, we, we launched out on a building a legacy campaign and we were able to raise over a million dollars. We launched out on a second round of, of a capital campaign this past spring, which is not a great time because then COVID was three weeks later. <laughs> you know, as, as a leader of an organization, so you go, yes, we're going to do this. And then all of a sudden the world goes upside down. And so I don't know if you've noticed, but we have said absolutely nothing about the FFNE. 
which is the furniture, furnishings, and equipment that we're going to need in our building in the second round of the campaign. We have said nothing. Why? Because that's not what's important right now. Like, it's not. Is it a big deal? Yeah. Are we going to have the building? Yes. Do we need chairs to sit in? Absolutely. But right now, that's not the most important thing. It's not. So when you look at us as a church, like we're trying to do things right. We're trying to take steps. I mean, we're we're trusting God as a church to go, gosh, we we can't say anything. It's not right. It's it's inappropriate. But so what are we going to do? Trust God. Isn't that brilliant? Believing that God is going to intervene and that he'll provide. I mean, so we follow scripture as a church, as the leadership of the church, the pastoral staff. You know, regarding our, that is, that is who we are, and that will not change. And we follow the example of the early church. You know, when you read in in, uh, Acts of the Apostles, you have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, right? You have Jesus' ascension, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Pentecost, amazing, people getting saved, signs, wonders, and miracles. And here's what it says in Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, starting in 44. It says, and all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had with appropriate social distancing. They sold their property and businesses and possessions, and they shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes less than 10. And, and they, for, for the Lord's Supper, they shared meals with great joy and generosity. And so we get this, right? The, the, the church is designed off of this. This is how God laid out the, the, the formula for church, how we would connect with each other, the body of Christ. So we have corporate worship with each other, worshiping online. Like, that's part of it. I get it. It's, it's amazing. But we need this. We need each other. I mean, being online is good, and, and that's huge and, and important. But it's not the same as face-to-face encounter and, 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 and intimate corporate worship as a church. One of the, one of the statistics that's uh, a little overwhelming uh, a, for me as a lead pastor is that one in three Christians right now have stopped going and or watching church at all over the last several months. And so that, that's horrific. I mean, you're talking about 33% of all Christians over the last several months have stopped going to church. And so if you're here and this is your first time back, we're so glad you're here. You're part of us. If you're watching online, you haven't watched in a long time, we're so glad you're watching. You're part of us. We hope that you'll return. Like, don't be part of that statistic. We need each other. And so when you look at that scripture, they shared what they have. I love that. And, and we have just an incredibly generous church. You are so generous. I'm so thankful to so many of you. You give out of obedience. You give out of generosity. You give towards the building campaign. Many of you have continued to give towards the furniture and furnishings based on the pledge that you made. And so I'm so thankful for so many of you. So there's giving and there's sharing. There's connection in groups. We have to continue to hold on to that. And I just, I think it's crucial when we look at the description in those verses, what did they get as a result of doing that? It was joy and generosity. And I know that you've given before. It makes us feel so good to give to somebody in need, to help somebody out that, that's, got a, you know, that's struggling and, and help them pull them up a little bit. It makes us feel so good. That's the joy from the generosity that we experience. So money's complicated 
And money is spiritual. The third thing I want to share with you is that money does not belong to us. Uh, you know, we know that we don't take it with us. It's one of the cliches, and people say it all the time, but man, we are so blessed. Uh, for, for us, you know, as Americans in our nation, here, you know, we're, we live in Melbourne, Florida. I mean, we are an extremely prosperous city, county, state, nation. I mean, extremely prosperous in this day and age. And if we were transparent and totally honest, most of the problems that we deal with, they're first world problems. If you've been to other nations, third world nations, been on a mission trip, seen, seen areas of, of our country and you know, other parts of the world where there's need and there's poverty and there's struggle, we struggle with first world problems. We, we don't have car, we have cars. We, we don't just have car, but it's, it's like we have nice cars that, that we get to have and drive around. We, we have a house that we get to live in, and it's bigger than a, a, an 8x8 eight eight square with a dirt floor. It's bigger than that. It's a little bit nicer than that. We have phones. We, we complain about first world problems, don't we? If we don't have Wi-Fi, we don't have service. We get frustrated and wonder, why, why didn't somebody put a tower here for me, uh, right? Uh, we, we have clothes, lots of clothes that we wear, and, and, and just, I mean, we're talking about first world problems. Is it okay for me to say that? Like, as your pastor, I love you, I care for you, but we have so much. One of the things that I, I teach my sons is, I'm like, it's okay to have wealth nothing wrong with that. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. If you have nice cars, nice clothes, great. That's fantastic. There's nothing wrong with having wealth. The problem comes in when we act like it. So I tell my sons, I'm like, when you see somebody that's spoiled, they act spoiled. There's nothing wrong with having money and, and, and doing things and going on trips and, and have nothing wrong with that. But when we start to have the attitude and flaunt it and, and display it for others, that's when we become prideful. That's when we act spoiled. And that's because we have a spirit of entitlement in our lives that we think we should and have and deserve the things that we're getting. Man, I, so I want to share with you, it's okay to be wealthy. Just don't act like it. Just don't act spoiled. Just let your attitude be right. Understand that there's more to it. It's complicated. It's spiritual. We, we have to recognize it in our life. But it's not ours. Please hear that. It's not yours. Even as much as you want it to be, it still isn't. In Psalms 24, verse 1, it says, The earth is the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's. And everything in it, everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. And so let me ask you, do you believe that? When you read that verse, do you believe that everything is God's? Because everything actually is. Whether you believe it or not, this is reality. This is scripture. This is truth. This is God saying this to you, hoping that you'll get it. it, it so he, it, oftentimes in church, we talk about steward. A steward is simply a manager. It's not an owner, a possessor. God owns everything. And so because everything belongs to God, what he does is he tests us. 
He tries us out. He gives us resources. See how we're going to manage it. And so he, he says very clearly that the first, first portion belongs to him. And so what that really means is the first 10% we give back to God. Because if everything was his in the first place, and he gives us 100%, and he wants to see how we're going to respond and react with it, the first 10% we actually give back to him. He just wants to see how we're going to handle it. And so it's a command with a blessing, which is wonderful. It's amazing. But so many people struggle with it. So many people struggle with this understanding. And I think it's just... I think we want the blessing without the sacrifice. It's because we want more for us. And to think about giving 10%, like it just seems like so much. I can't think of anything in my life that I have that's of value that didn't require some type of sacrifice. Everything that I have in my life took some type of effort or me denying myself or doing something I didn't want to, to get to that place. And I think that God, he tests us and tries us. He puts us through situations to see how we're going to respond. And so tithing is really God's money that he's asking that we would give back out of worship and giving it to him first. And people will say, well, I can't afford to. Exactly. You can't afford to until you actually start doing it. Then you'll see what happens and what takes place. And so maybe it's budgeting. And, and so I just, I absolutely believe that tithing tests our faith. And so if you can't do 10%, start somewhere. Where can you start? What can you give? Uh, like God is asking us to take steps forward. And the 10% is giving back to him. And so if that's, if that's not where you're at right now, where can you start? Take a step to show God, to honor him, to worship him with your finances. And then just to be quite honest, it allows the church to do the ministry that we're called to do. And so it's complicated. It's spiritual. It's not ours to begin with. And so I want to encourage you regarding finances. I want to ask that you would talk to God, that you would look at your budget. If you're married, that you would talk to your spouse. Do you, do you pray about finances? Do you pray about your wealth and, and how to manage it well? I, I hope so. But I, I would ask that you would talk to God about your finances. And so what I want to do, like as your pastor, I, I, man, I hope it's okay for me to bring the hammer a little bit and just say it how it is and preach scripture. And, uh, but I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. I feel like that's one of the authorities that I get as a lead pastor is I get to pray for you and just speak encouragement and pray that the Holy Spirit would move. And so I get to pray spiritual, financial blessings over you, your marriage, your family, your house, your businesses. And so it would be my honor to do that. And so if you're watching online, if you're the, here in the auditorium, I just want you to open up your mind and your heart and allow God to show himself faithful and powerful, that you would see himself move in an incredible way. Would you receive this prayer as I pray it over you? Lord God, we come before you. And Father, first and foremost, we want to acknowledge that we are, at times get selfish Lord, that's part of our sin nature, and you get that. You know we struggle with our sin and, and the things that we do, and we just admit that up front. So, Lord, would you please forgive us, forgive us from the times that we have been greedy and selfish, where we've turned our eyes away from somebody in need, Lord, where we've kind of scoffed at, at your scripture, where we've not tithed, Lord, the times when we, when we consume for ourselves and we, when we look and we have the spirit of lack. Lord, would you forgive us of those times? And God, I thank you so much. 
for who you are. Lord, as you lift that, as you remove the, the spirit of poverty, the, the mindset of lack, Lord, would you eradicate that from our lives? We no longer want to deal with that anymore. And so, Father, would you change it? Even though money is complicated, Lord, we want to acknowledge we need you. You are the owner of everything. And so, God, thank you so much for the blessings in our lives. Lord, right now, we think about the blessings you've put in our life, our house or our apartment, or the vacations that we've gone on. Thank you so much for my truck. Lord, thank you so much for the blessings you've put in our lives. You are so generous towards us. And Father, right now, just, oh, God, I see how you want to pour out on your people, on the church. You want to resource us well that we can honor you, that we could help those in need, that people wouldn't need to, to look to other sources or solutions, but that they would look to you and that the church would be the funnel, that we would be the pipeline from which people that are in need would find help and provision. Father, you want to do that so badly. And so, Father, as you pour out on us, would you just bring this incredible spirit of joy and generosity and stewardship and managing? And so, Lord, we just, we love to receive your blessings. And God, would we also just find that joy and contentment with what you give to us and, and joy and generosity, joy and obedience to your word. And so, Father, as you open up the windows of heaven as it talks about in your word, in your scripture, Lord, we just, God, I can see it. You right now are pouring out so much on people that they can't contain it. It's just overflowing. Not only just wealth and money and stuff, but it's, it's joy, it's love, it's patience, it's the power of your Holy Spirit. It's praying for our coworker in the cubicle next to us. Lord, it's praying for, for our businesses that you allow us to own, for our employees. God, oh, thank you so much as you pour out blessings on single people, on students and college students. God, I pray provision for college students is that they wouldn't need to go towards uh, school loan debt, but that you would just provide miraculously for them. For, for young entrepreneurs that are looking for that startup cash to get things going, God, would you make a way where there be checks in the mailbox and deposits in the bank and, and opportunities that come forward that they would see as you, that you would work miracles, that it'd be amazing. Father, that we would honor you and worship you and give back to you. God, you're so amazing. Spiritual, financial blessings on this house. In Jesus' name.